Hi, and welcome once again to our Tap Talks HR podcast. Today, I am lucky to have a returning guest. Megan Butler and I recorded a couple of podcasts back in 2019 about her AI research specifically in HR tech. Well, one pandemic later, Megan is back to record another podcast. So hi, Megan. Welcome back to Tap Talks HR. Fantastic to be here, and thank you for having me again. No worries. And this time we are talking live from the UK to Canada because you're back in Canada. So why don't you give us an update of what you've been up to in the last four years? Um, well, thank you so much. Um, I guess the biggest thing is, is don't worry, I have not abandoned the UK. I'm only here for a visit in Canada. And since the last time we spoke, I've uh, I'm nearly completed my PhD. I'm in my final year, finally and hopefully the actual last year of doing my PhD. Um, and I've continued my research around AI and HR, and I've continued to work in industry. I had an opportunity to work on some incredible projects. And uh, I've now been working with a company called Rising, working as a future of work strategist. And we've been doing some really great research and work around helping organizations develop their people analytics maturity, getting them into more automation, and trying to bring more AI into the SAP environment. Well, of course, that, that term AI is hot topic at the moment. Um, and I think it's like kind of broadside to us without us really realizing we've been talking about it. Well, since 2019, at least we've been talking about it. And, and here we are with it on the front page of newspapers now. So in your world, in your approach, we're looking at what, what has changed since 2019 to now. And we're in 2023, by the way, if anyone's listening to this in the future. Um, that's a great question. It's been a really interesting few years, and obviously the pandemic did have a massive effect on the market. Um, and some of the trends we can see are things like pre-pandemic, uh, there was massive investment still into the AI market. And we saw a lot, or in the AI HR market to be specific, and we saw a lot of that investment in very low amounts, you know, 100,000, maybe up to a million, and a lot of very new startups, so in seed, run, uh, seed round funding for startups. And then all of a sudden with the pandemic, we saw a real slowdown in all of that. And the, and the number of startups, the amount of the small funding, uh, small funds, um, investments, seed rounds, investments, but all of a sudden we saw a massive increase in funding, um, for larger organizations, more established AI HR companies that had more proven technology. And there, yes, there was fewer of them. There was less volume. But the amounts were starting to get quite impressive and in the hundreds of millions. Um, and so for only about seven products together, they generated nearly three quarters of a billion dollars um, just in a handful of products. And we know the technology market, AI, tech, AI, AI HR technology market is made up of a couple hundred products at this point in time. And the wider HR market is, is always going to continue to be strong. Um, and so we see this. Um, so we're seeing a shift in, in the type of products and how they're being used, which I think is one of the big things we need to note. And we're seeing on, on the front cover of a lot of newspapers, again, all this hype about, of course, chat GPT and, and generative AI. And I think what we're seeing is um, in the past when we talked about AI, it was still very, it was, it was being used, but we were still talking about it in much more pilot project conversations. And what are, you know, what are some of the things we can be doing where all of a sudden now, we're beginning, we're being given real tools that work. And it's not about AI taking jobs anymore. Um, I love, I heard this comment and it's, it's not about AI taking jobs, but it's about people who are using AI. 
um, that are becoming more productive or getting things done better. And we're seeing that shift. So I think when we talk about the market, um, we're not ta- we're not seeing as many rapid rapidly developed new products and different types of products and more broad range. But we're seeing a much more deepening of the market now, where the products are getting better. Um, we're having more out there. And I think the other big shift we're seeing is that the big players. Um, so on the technology front, uh, what we saw was a lot of these little small companies kind of pushing that frontier out where the large products like the Oracle, the SAPs, the Workdays, all of those were still a bit stagnant and their technology frontier wasn't moving at all or not moving that much at the time. And they've all of a sudden now been investing and buying, acquiring these technologies, partnering with them in all sorts of interesting ways. And um, these large HR systems that everybody, like not everybody, but most people are using are all of a sudden bringing AI in. And this is shifting that whole perspective or the way that we're using technology in the market from being the early adopters who are, are testing out and coming up with creative ways to use new technologies to create a true competitive envir- competitive advantage um, for their organization. So all of a sudden, those of us who have not adopted it yet, it being forced on us through um, required needs and it's being brought in through large technology platforms. Um, and so we're seeing this shift. Um, and I think it's one of those things for a lot of people, we've been distracted, a lot happened in the last few years. We have a lot going on in the world around us. And all of a sudden, it's like, what's happened with this technology? And it can be very, very sudden, but really a lot has happened in the last five years. But in, in, during the pandemic, it was a great time for a lot of tech companies. They were able to kind of slow down a little bit, do that development behind closed doors. They weren't constantly kind of rushing out there. And, and a, lot's, a lot's changed. Um, and so we have real products that people are able to invest in. And I don't think all of HR is aware of how far it's come along at times. Um, and it does concern me that that means that um, we're going to see some scary investments because of it, uh, uneducated investments. But I think more so uneducated people using tools because it's brought in on them and they don't really quite understand it, um, particularly in organizations. So all of a sudden your HR system has a candidate skills um, skills inferencing and matching, which is fantastic and the technology could be great, but they don't explain to you that unless your data is accurate going into it and that you know what your real requirements are for that job and you're just going to try and pull another standard job description off the internet, it's not going to give you a good match. Like it'll give you a good match to the poor data you've put in, but it's not going to give you a good match to the reality of the role that you're looking for. So I I, I think there's there's a it's prime time now that it's not about being aware of you know what's coming. It's being aware of what we can be using now and starting to really use it for people and and that it's very tactile, that it's something that you can invest in. It's something that you can turn on in products that you're probably already using. And it's um, it's about getting really good solid foundations going and starting to take advantage of it. And, and coming from working more in the people analytics space in these last few years, really seeing about once you get those foundations right in an organization, you get that data right, you get your metrics standardized and you have good reporting across the organization and organization that's starting to use data for decision making, the time really does free up. And you start using these tools in more complex and interesting ways. And it starts, it does really start to provide value to the organization. And I think that at the end of the day, that like that is that like that like that physical, that real part of that change that we can see is that AI is making real changes in the workplace. Um, and it's happening. 
Fantastic. And do you know what? I came into this uh, podcast today going, Megan's always interesting. And I hope it, it provides uh, insight for people. And I think we're eight minutes in at the moment. And I'm already taking copious notes thinking, actually, I need to think about that myself. Um, I went to a, a HR tech conference recently, and they did a vote in there about chat GPT, about has anyone used it? And from the audience, which is a broad range of HR people, 50% of people said, they were already using it in their job. 30% roughly said they wanted to use it, but hadn't yet. And 20% said they weren't interested. And I think that was a bit of a wake-up call and a shock for some people in that room where 50% of people had owned up already using it. And yeah, we're using it for basic stuff. But I think for the world of HR, I think the difference with today compared to four years ago when we were talking then, I think rather than just talking about how AI is impacting on HR technology, it's almost like we, we need to consider also how AI is impacting on just work, full stop, because that in itself is then going to have an impact on how we recruit. And, and, and you, you mentioned sourcing candidates and inquiring skills on an HR software. So I think even the, the concept of a job description, a person's specification for a job description has gone, hasn't it? Because actually the job is now augmented between AI and the human. Exactly. And if, if we're not keeping up on that trend right there and we're going to plug in AI to the tech, to the way we did business yesterday, that's where we're going to end up with those disastrous results or or, 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 or the results that we're not expecting, basically. And it is it isn't just about just like, let's plug it in and keep working the way we used to work. Um, it is about how do we use this technology better? And I think you pointed out something that's really interesting there that. Um, so working with Rising, I've developed a people analytics maturity assessment, and we've collected a fair amount of data right now. Quite a cool tool. We'll have to get into it at some other time. But some of the evidence I've been able to collect from it that I find really fascinating, um, it's quite clear that people in general have, have the digital skills we kind of need for, in the most part, for things. Like, and it, we're being specific. We're not going to talk about the general population right now, because if we talk about the general population, that's just muddied water. We're talking about people who are using data within an organization to make decisions with. So they're using HR data. So we're talking about line managers, we're talking about managers, we're talking about HR professionals. We can make certain assumptions about that population in terms of education and ability. And we're seeing that they're quite digital, digitally savvy. The problem is, is that um, leadership more important and, and organizations, how we have them structured, how we develop our strategy is not keeping up. That's what's behind. So it's like so when we talk about like oh the problem with us not being able to use technology is because people aren't don't have the skills to do it that that doesn't seem to, the data that I've collected so far doesn't is suggesting that that's not the problem that the people have the skills what the problem is is we don't have always the leadership um, we've noticed com companies that are more um, mature in their people on maturity the, the leadership is the score that is moving that has the biggest movement in it and you can see that direct court like that there's something going on there we need more data to see what the relationship is and if there's a cause and effect relationship. But we know that there is a relationship there. Um, but the next biggest thing is, is like we're using data for decision making in HR, but we don't even know what HR decisions we're making in the organization. And so we're like not even connecting it at that level. So then we're starting to try and bring in AI next to help us make better decisions, which is fantastic. But if we don't, like, there's a lot of layers to get to that point where we're using AI. And if we don't have those foundations in place, it's not going to happen. But one of the problems that we don't have is, I think, it, or we don't have as badly as we want to believe, 
is that we don't have the skills within people. And I think people, you know, and that vote kind of shows it. There's a lot of people out there doing it themselves, learning these skills. And it's um, probably a stronger percentage of the population than those who are resistant for not doing it. Now, if, it, if it's not the skills, um, the digital skills, because actually what I have seen recently, and even when you use ChatGPT, it's so easy to use. It's like, ask it a question. Yeah, I mean, in the good old days, you have to do search keywords and God knows how. It's like so easy to use. So if it's not the digital skills. To me, it's almost like what we, we were saying about the future of work, that actually when automation comes in, we've got to have, a higher level of thinking skills so like curiosity critical thinking and things like that so it's almost like we need to develop ourselves to know what questions we need to be asking that we need ai to solve is that something that, that you kind of resonate with oh completely that like those things that we've been talking about for you know, I, I remember them as a child being told like in your life you're going to have to continuously learn you're not going to get a degree and get a job and never go back to school and that is it is now an absolute reality for all of us. Um, if you're working in the workplace and you're not continuously learning, you're going to, like, you know, you're quickly getting behind. But most people are out there. They're trying GPT and, you know, and they're finding, you know, like most of these things, it's quite easy and the technology is getting better constantly. Um, and, and we're seeing that more, not just chat GPT, but we're seeing that with things um, like in the um, HRS environments, they're bringing in things like no code and low code which if you haven't worked with some of those products in the development space, um, so products like Bubble, absolutely amazing. If you want to create a little web app form, you can just do it literally with templates and blocks and you don't even need to code and you can build things um, just as easy as we can now build websites. So, you know, back in the day, you needed to have HTML and you needed to know how to do certain things. And now you just go into Wix and you click, 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 and it's super easy. And as long as you have a bit of style, unlike myself, because I can't put pictures together and I just want everything to be too pizzazzy, you know, but it, it's, it's, you don't need to have any skills or not, not to say you don't need to have any skills. You don't need to have those digital coding skills um, to be able to write the code to do it. You're able to, like any of us are able to get in, work in an environment that's really quite straightforward and it's just our design ideas. Um, and, and so those, so it does make those hard skills um, not as required. There is, like, it is still required in society. It's still required to develop more programs. It's still required in other areas to develop unique things. But for the general use, it does open it up. And it does allow for those of us who may not want to develop those skills or don't, or don't have that personality or aptitude, whatever it is, it allows us to be able to use our critical thinking. It allows us to be able to use our creativity. It allows us to be able to use those fantastic skills to be able to do more with the technology we have around us. And it means it gives more value to those skills. That's super interesting because I've I just drawn a parallel in my head with thinking about coding. Because if we go back four or five years, um, we were saying all our kids need to learn coding in schools. Uh, coding is everything. We all need to learn coding. But one of the things I've read recently, and actually I, I saw someone present it, is actually one of the best things that, that generative AI can do is learn how to code. So it's almost like coding is going to be one of the first things that kind of almost becomes redundant in this world of generative AI. So already we've funneled our kids to come through school to learn coding. By the time they pop out the other end, it's gonna be useless, which reminds me of back in the days when I was, well, I'm wearing shorts now, but I used to wear shorts. And um, of actually when we got Windows, because before, before Windows, you had to actually know all the 
the, the, the simplified coding, I suppose, of programming of computers. And then Windows came along and you could just not be an expert in, in a computer and do work. So do you see that as a, a something that, that actually, with you were talking about things being pieced together, you don't need too much depth of, of digital skills. Is that what you see emerging in the future? Yeah, and it is, it's one of those things I get, that reminds me of like, so one of my really early presentations in my career, so it was about five years ago, it was a, two, a group in London, and it was parents, so it was much more about children that I'm used to talking about. Um, I don't have kids, I'll say that straight up. So, you know, I've watched the nieces and nephews, but I, I don't have my own children. So I, I don't feel like I'm a valid opinion in this, a valid opinion in this space. I just know the technology and can kind of see the direction there. So I'm not saying this as an expert parent. Um, and one of the parents asked me, it's just like, do kids need to learn how to type? And was asking if their five-year-old really needed to learn how to type. And it was one of those moments that, you know, it was just like cursive 20 years ago. Do you really need to know how to have beautiful cursive handwriting? Which like when I was a kid, they were still kind of slapping you on the wrist for not writing pretty enough. And I had terrible handwriting. So I really, I, I had a horrible time in elementary school. Um, it turns out later, apparently it's because you're smart. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but you know, we you know, we went through an era where children were slapped on the hands because they were writing with their left hand. So we we come up with lots of weird ideas. Um, but like, so like it was one of those moments. Because I was like, I, and I you know kind of discussed it out loud as a parent, and it's kind of like it's probably a good skill to have. Period. Because like you know, knowing how to handwrite is still a good skill to have, even in today's world. You know, I I still think it's better for memory. I still prefer handwriting myself. I think it's still good still for children to learn. Um. But is typing going to be the way we interact with computers in the future? Like put ChatGPT with Alexa, make it be able to understand a few commands in a row. So all of a sudden, instead of having to go into my computer and click eight things, I can go to my computer and say, hey, computer, remember that email I was working on five days ago that was something about these about this information? Can you pull it up for me and write a message that goes back? That's only about two paragraphs long. That is professional but friendly. That says something along the lines of, yes, I agree, but I would like to do this instead. And right now we actually have all the pieces to be able to do all of that. We just don't have the pieces. We don't have it coded together to be able to do it that as a single command. That's it. Right. That's, I'm now just in silence now, which is a worrying state because it is humans. I'm thinking too hard, but, but I think you summarize something really well there that actually as, as HR teams, we need to get on board with the fact that this is probably 12 months away of being general release, 18 months away. So, and I like your analogy that actually, yeah, you should still type because actually it's, it's, a, it's a dying, it will be a dying art, but actually you might end up with a keyboard somewhere in front of you and you'll, you'll need to do it, especially if you're in a noisy train, you can't all be talking at your, at your screens, even if you have screens, there'll be chips in the head. But, um, and I thought you say that and I thought with like video calling people wouldn't do it in public either but yeah it's uh, ride the trains in Europe <laughs> yeah I wish the listeners had seen a look on your face in when I said that it's um it's uh but I think it's it's interesting because you're right in what you're saying that it's we're on the verge of all these different pieces of automation almost coming together and it's it is the, the, the like, oh, yes, we've got ChatGPT, but it's owned by a mainstream organization. We've got Google coming out with its version there. And it is going to, I can see by 2024, 1st of January, even from where we are now, uh, which is six months before, I think it's going to have evolved again. And I think this is why there's so much anxiety 
in the HR community when I go to conferences where people are just asking anybody who presents the questions back are, well, what about generative AI? How's this going to work there? Because I think it's almost like we're on that industrial revolution and people have realized you can't you can't hit the spinning jenny and destroy it because it's here. We need to go with it. But people aren't sure about what it means for them. Yeah, and, and that that's that is troubling. And that's where that worrisome comment that I kind of had at the beginning, that it is something that people don't truly understand and they're going to start using in ways that are inappropriate. And we're seeing that with chat GBT all over the place. You know, I think I saw an article just the other day. I think it's a Canadian story. It could be wrong. But two lawyers getting in trouble for submitting evidence that came from GPT that was, you know, so like, of course, we're going to learn the hard way. It's an unfortunate human trait. You know, we have occupational health and safety, not because we had the forethought or like wherewithal to think ahead and go, we shouldn't hurt people at work. It was because we killed a bunch of people at work and went like, oh, we probably shouldn't do that. Let's come up with some rules. And and that and that's what's happening in the AI world. And And, you know, we talk about GDPR. How late was that in the digital era? Um, you know, that was 10 years behind Canada's um, digital, digital. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called, but they had their digital laws, which GDPR was um, roughly based on as well. And that came out in 2010, and that felt late even. And so we're at a point in time, and I think, you know, when we look at the HR community, I feel that they, like, as a former HR, like, well, I like to see myself as still an HR professional, but a former HR professional really working as an, an HR. Um, that I feel that the, there's a massive lack of regulations, clarity on what is happening. Products have no, no, do, no, no reason to tell them what's really going on. They're able to say like, oh, we have secret sauce. I don't have to tell you how our product works. Um, we know from, you know, from what we used to talk about in 2019, and it probably is on this podcast. If you go to other events that I've talked at, and there's probably recordings of me saying it, so I have no problem saying it. But I found loads of false products in my research. I had tons of products tell me, three quarters of the way through when I try to dig in to see what their AI was doing, they finally were like, okay, we don't have AI at all. You know, I, I sat there and listened to somebody that I knew on a product that we had absolutely no AI in it say, oh yeah, it's machine learning magic. You know, so we know those lies are kind of out there and there's no regulation. So I feel like the HR community has a right to be panicked. And I feel that, you know, the bodies that should be supporting them more are not supporting them as much as they should with the education um, and making sure that they have people that are working on staff that are educated, um, are educated in, a, in at a level or have the knowledge to be able to support the HR professionals. So we're seeing the governing bodies let them down. So HR is kind of left out in the water in an in an era that if they make a mistake, they could get the com the company sued for millions. And we see something like um, H and M fine um, for 32 million years, and that was GDPR, and that was collecting appropriate data in Excel spreadsheets. Well, now let's you know let's times that by a thousand and make it a global company that's collecting that on like 300,000 employees. What's that lawsuit going to look like? So yeah, so I think HR has a very big right to be, um, to have a lot of anxiety right now. Not only should they be getting in, getting in and knowing this technology and using it to their advantage and creating that competitive advantage for their company, but they don't have clear education. Most of the education is coming from the industry itself, which has its own motives and agenda. I think that we do produce a lot of great thoughts thought leadership in there like you know i produce it as well so and i and i've read other people's work and there's lots of great stuff out there but there's also a lot of you know persuasive you know and marketing language and you know if you work in hr you've looked at loads of technology products and you know that the, you know the marketing language you see on there and you're like but what does it really do 
and you have to kind of fight through all the bullshit to or the bs pardon me um to get to the point to, to kind of understand what it's actually doing what data is it actually doing what is it what is it doing what is the algorithm actually doing with the data what does the output actually represent and how can we actually use it um and so i think right now um it is a tough position i feel we are seeing some regulations come in new york just had um has been going through their battle to bring in ai regulations around use, the use of ai in hiring we see the eu pushing their proposed regulations through now um they have been uh, brought down milder a little bit disappointed in what i saw from from the uk for their uh, ai innovation um canada really hasn't moved much they have an assessment you know, so some countries are a bit disappointing, some areas you see something a bit progressive. But um we need we need to know where the electric fence is in HR so that we can use this technology safely and know where those boundaries are. And I feel that requires an open and honest discussion from both vendors, um, HR professionals and government representatives to be able to have that where we're not talking about marketing language, where we're not talking about those general things, you know, where there isn't that person and it used to always happen to me for years, um, pre-pandemic. Right, I talk about AI, and then somebody would stand up and be the, well, what about singularity? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm just talking about what we consider AI that we're using it on the market for at this moment. I'm talking about a far concept. You know, we need to be able to have those conversations. And it's unfortunate right now that I think that they're not happening. Um, using people from HR that really know what's going on. And, and it, 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 I feel that it's going to be one of these situations where we're going to kill a few people before we get the regulations right. Um, and I think we've already seen that happening um, in a small scale, and we're just going to see it happening worse. And, you know, those are stories like um, Facebook ads, job ads being um, biasly that being shown to certain groups and things like that. Like these are very mild cases at the moment. Um, and I think it's when we're going to see something really go wrong where an entire group of people who are normally not discriminated against all of a sudden be completely disenfranchised from society for several years. Well, we all of a sudden start to crew in or um large organizations like you know something really awful happening where we start going unfortunately um but i think for most hr professionals at this point in time like the you know doom and gloom like yes we are going down as a society is a scary road and you know this is very typical of us to do it that way um unfortunately but that doesn't mean as individuals that we have to be scared of it and not use it or or the idea you know we hear in, in the market saying like well we should just stop all of ai development right now well, that's not going to help or happen either. So having those discussions aren't about having those honest and open discussions. Um, and I think it's one of those things that like, yes, it is easy to get, it is not that it's easy to get educated, but it's a great time for HR professionals to really be educated about it, what's coming. There's lots of options out there. Great time to start testing and playing with products. It's becoming easily available in the products you probably already have in your organization. Um, you know, if you're using Paltrick, it already has, um, sentiment and uh, text with thematic analysis in it, you can already start playing with that stuff right away. Um, so it is available. It's available in the back end of Microsoft Office Suite. So most of us already have access to it. We just don't know it. Um, and, and it's a great time to, to play with it and really learn it and start to identify where in your organization you can start to move forward with it. Um, but, but before we start jumping into AI, it's about getting those foundations right. Because if we don't understand the data and we don't understand where our data is in the organization and we start bringing in AI to do it in volume, we're just going to make mistakes in volume. If we don't understand the metrics we're using and what they really mean, we're just going to be making decisions off of metrics that we don't understand in volume. It's just going to, AI is going to amplify what we're already doing wrong in people analytics or what we're doing right. 
Um, so there's huge opportunity and a great time uh, to be in HR, I think, um, especially if you're curious and a little bit cautious. I think it's a good time um, because these are the um, what I can see, at least um, in my experience with the organizations we've been working for, senior leadership is finally asking for it and starting to move into that opportunity, which is allowing that door for HR to step through and, um, and to show that we can do it. So, I mean, we, we, yeah, I, I wish I could make these like 24 hour podcasts with you, Megan. I really do. It's, um, but I think, um, so what we're saying is, is we should be better in HR. We should be more curious to, to actually play with the technology to try it out, to not play and do what we traditionally do with HR, which is try and build something that's perfect before we roll it out. It's very much around. Just like when we advanced ourselves in the concepts of inclusion and the concepts of well-being, et cetera, we need to become experts in how AI and work is, is going to move forward. And that can only happen by us consciously going out there and actually and making it top of the agenda for learning and growth of the HR team and the senior leadership team by bringing in experts and actually getting us used to the the, the kind of the capabilities, I suppose, of, of what it can do. So, is um, and this kind of finished the podcast. Looking at, at this, the, the HR teams, what do you think the, is a good one, two, three things to reflect upon, or to act upon, or to do for HR practitioners to feel not overwhelmed by what's happening at the moment? Mm. That's great. Um, well, obviously, the first one is education. Awareness and education is always, always going to help. Um, and I think like what I can say about AI is, is that um, we hear about it in a lot of these terms or spoken about in ways that makes it sound like it can do anything. And it's very magical and um, it can't. It's very finite. So if you start to dig into the literature, it can seem overwhelming at the beginning, but it, it quickly becomes repetitive. And you start to understand that there's only a few areas um, the AI is moving in. When we look at AI and HR, um, we've, I, I was able to identify 75 different use cases across HR, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. You know, um, there's there's like a lot of unique uses and niche uses, but the majority of it is like it's in sourcing, it's in selection, it's in assessment, it's in onboarding. Like it, it's in each of the stages of the employee life cycle and each stages of the HR of the HR cycle, um, and so we can just start chopping away at it and start understanding like, okay, where can we bring it in recruitment and help us make better decisions? Where can we bring it in to improve our onboarding processes? Where can we bring it in in different areas of the business and just start working at it? And as I say, it's not about um, going out and buying every product, um, but I think first is maximizing the investment the organization already has. What I'm noticing is a lot of businesses, the, the capabilities is prob probably already exist in the technology they've already invested in and it's just about maximizing their investment um and i think it is that education is what i'm noticing kind of in hr to being a bit of that hold back they know it's there but they're not quite sure how to use it um and it's and i noticed like from the product side so this is like a tough one the product side is like okay this is how the product works and hr is like okay cool that's how the product works but how do i use it and it's about like how do i take that data how do i interpret it and how do i bring it to senior leadership with that story of why this is important and how do I have that conversation? Um, and so it, it's a, just like that journey. Um, and so it's not just about knowing the products out there, but it's about knowing how do I use it in my practice? 
And I, I, I don't know if I'm articulating that really, really precisely or really well, but it's like the HR professionals, we're always going to be that people um, and organization expert in the business. And it's not that we're going to become technology experts and we don't need to be. We just need to know how to be expert in what we're already doing, just using more technology. Yeah, I know, I know, I really like that, actually. And it's also about, as HR um, experts, we need to know the business and what goes on in the business. And actually, if our people are going to start using AI inside of their jobs, we need to be all over that, because that is the business that we are responsible for the people of. Exactly. And it might well be, who can tell, that actually AI ends up sitting close to a HR function about trying to, like, because uh, it is essentially replacing volume of work. Uh, from humans so actually who is going to be the ai department i did inverted commas for anyone who's not obviously watching this um so yeah. so yeah it'll be interesting it's it will will be i mean megan it's been four years too long um it really has we did we did two first two podcasts first time around we should have come back and done the third a lot sooner but um but yes obviously pandemic's getting away and there's almost a phd to go with it so um Thank you for bringing some of your vast knowledge to this podcast. I really appreciate it. I know you're doing some blogs and stuff like that at the moment. Is there anywhere people can go to find out more about you and what you're doing? Oh, fan fantastic. Thank you for asking. Yes, I uh, really try to dedicate to share more of the research in this last year. It was a bit slowed down with doing too much research and not having enough time to share it. Um, so really making a dedication to that now. I've been sharing it through... Uh, um, a series of sources, so it's not as organized probably as it should be. But you can always find it um, links normally on my LinkedIn page. Um, I also have a Medium page where I try to publish, and also through Rising's um, blog, I'll also publish in there. And then of course I try and get out and do fabulous podcasts with people like you, Anthony, and others out there, and try and speak at conferences as well. So um, I, now I feel guilty that I, I feel like I should have a web page and actually collect everything in one spot. So yeah, so it's kind of it's on the web. Yeah. So, so search Megan Butler is that where we should start um, or just ask chat GPT to give us a summary of what you've done and that, then it's probably uh, it's easier so I mean that's all we have time for today um, and you've heard it from Megan this is a fabulous podcast Tap Talks HR so if you want to find out more about this and other HR related podcasts you can head over to tapsolutions.com with a whole back catalogue including the two previous podcasts from Megan back in 2019. But that's it for now. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.